Welcome to the Defiant Spirit, a podcast about discovering meaning, purpose, and resilience in the most challenging, difficult, and darkest moments of our lives through what my teacher and mentor, Dr. Viktor Frankl, called the defiant power of the human spirit, that spirit that is within you, that spirit that is calling to you, that spirit that is you. I'm Dr. Baruch Halevi, and this is the Defiant Spirit, and now, on to our podcast. So welcome back to the Defiant Spirit. My guest in my virtual studio, if, at least if you're looking, needs no introduction, but if you're listening, you can't see, but I am blessed to have with me in this virtual studio, my good friend, Julie Mouse. Hi, Julie. Hi, B. Thanks for having me again. Eighth time is a charm. We are working our way through the Enneagram. Anybody who's just joining us over uh, the past, I would say it's eight weeks, but it's not. It's been a few months. We got a couple snags in there, curveballs thrown at us. And so we delayed, but we are back by popular demand, Julie Mouse and myself to offer you um, expand the space, which is our exploration of the Enneagram with my area of expertise, the Enneagram and Julia's dual area of expertise, Enneagram and mindfulness practice. And so we've been taking this idea of Viktor Frankl between stimulus and response, there is a space and in our space lies our power to choose our response. And so we've been taking that space in between stimulus and response, between things happening to us and us reacting. Can we expand that space? Can we become mindful and using the Enneagram as our roadmap for how to become mindful and also to look at each Enneagram types, um, particular opportunities and challenges, blessing and curses, light and darkness when it comes to mindfulness. All right, that's an overview. Now on to everybody's least favorite, Enneagram 8. Oh, not least favorite. I don't know, Julie. I do the pop quiz all the time. If you were to reincarnate and you got to choose your Enneagram type, <laughs> which one you would you come back at? As and, and to date, not one single person has said Enneagram eight. Well, I think I did. You did? Oh. I think so. Well, then you're you must be married to an eight. Yeah, well, that's the truth. But honestly, I think being married to an eight and seeing how the Enneagram completely changed our marriage um, is was part of why I went into learning about the Enneagram. I'm so passionate about it. And specifically the eight, because I think the eight is the most misunderstood on the whole Enneagram because, you know, they get the label, the eight hole and, you know, people, people get frustrated with them or call them names maybe because they are a lot, they're a lot of energy but when you find out more about where the eight's intentions are, that it comes from a real place of love and caring, maybe the most on the Enneagram, you start to see it completely differently. And so the age, I was most excited about this podcast because I feel like understanding that about the eight um, gave me a lot of compassion, understanding, but even more so my eight husband learning about the Enneagram really changed his ability to have more self-awareness so good all right so we now have a new fan uh president of our fan club for the enneagram eights yeah it was exactly. uh, it was a tough race but we decided on you since you were the only one <laughs> well i think also partially it's because we eights can take it so you know you don't say everybody's least favorite with the twos because you just don't say that with an enneagram <laughs> two um so i think that there is part of that sort of you know, built into it that we do have a toughness. I probably a good segue into describing the eight and defining the eight for those who um, are new to the Enneagram. The Enneagram eight is the challenger um, called the boss, called the maverick, called anything else, any other names? Protector. Protector. Leader. Defender. Yeah. So, you know, you always get the same vibe with the eight. It's a tough cookie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think the eight is the one that I can tell the easiest because there's just an intensity you can almost feel when you're around someone who's an eight. 
Um, as long as, yes. And the more unhealthy an aid is, the more obvious it is too. It's one oh, of those. I, I was watching a 60 minute show on pink. I don't know if you just, you saw it recently. I didn't. It's, it's just a recent episode. And I mean, I was like, is does that, is anyone going to tell her that she's an eight? I mean, she just is so out there with her intensity and her strength and it, that being so important to her. Um, she's actually, uh, she's one of my pictures in the Enneagram um, as an example of an eight. It's, it's kind of hard sometimes to find female eights. Mm-hmm. You know, I think our society, either we don't... Um, nurture eights and so they you know you don't have as many of them or they go underground you know they're not rewarded i think in the same ways or described in the same ways as male eights um, unfortunately but i see like disproportionate amount of twos the helper as women and disproportionate amount of eights as men do you see that as well yeah well our culture maybe some of those women are in hiding because our culture tells women that they shouldn't be that way the same woman acting aggressively and intensely gets called names that I'm not going to say right now, where a man, a man kind of gets looked at as, oh, he's strong and he's a leader. Yeah, it's true. Um, and also, um, I do think a lot of the eights who are very unhealthy have made it hard for the rest of us eights to come out. I see this every time I had to take Donald Trump, I think, off of my eight list on one of them because he he just evokes so much emotion in people this we don't we don't talk politics here this is just a visceral reaction that so many people had they couldn't get past it and almost like they wouldn't um they wouldn't allow themselves to be called an eight if somebody like that's an eight or there's a lot of tyrants that are eights out there Right, right. They just see the comparison and then that's offensive. And I actually even see this um, with my husband and part of the hard part of learning about the fact that you're so intense and that you can be too much for people and that people can feel like you're aggressive is that they, I mean, you, you're innate, so you can tell me if I'm wrong, but he says like, I had no idea I was that intense. And when I learned that at first, I didn't believe it because I was like, because the energy comes from this deep caring. So if you don't know that you're too much for people and you know that your intention is truly like a heart comes from your heart place, it's kind of shocking for people to tell you, you know, why are you being that way? Or you're too much for me. You're too aggressive. He would be like, what? I'm too aggressive. I'm trying to help you. And, and so it was really hard, but once he kind of entertained, well, maybe I am, I've had enough people tell me this it was really life-changing for him. Like really the ability to say, oh, if that's the case, then I want to work on that. I want to change that. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. I think I've always known, maybe not always, but my conscious adult life, I've known that I was an eight. I know I'm intense because I've been in very visible positions where people would feel free to tell me that I'm intense or I'm too much. Um, But I can see a lot of eights not realizing that they're just experienced as too much because whenever I'm counseling an eight and I say something to the effect of, do people accuse you of yelling even when you're not yelling? And like all the time, like I get, I get told I'm like yelling and I'm not yelling because they don't yeah. always know they're that they vibrate at a higher level. Yeah. There's, there's definitely a lot of energy and because they tend to be leaders and maybe bosses in certain yeah. work situations i think not every eight is lucky enough to have someone who has told them so not every eight is aware of that it's true and i think it's one of the downfalls of some would have been could have been great eights who just became um destructive because they start surrounding themselves with echo chambers with yes men and women who just are acolytes who just re, you know reinforce everything that that person wants to hear and you can see it. I mean, on my, in my Enneagram system, you can just see a lot of these, Oh, they had so much energy and so much potential and they just veered off to, you know, off the eight path. Well, I could see where it would be hurtful for an eight um, because that, that piece where it comes from a, a deep caring, this intensity, they have, I, I don't think they are intending to harm anyone in any way. And so if they, if people 
don't tell them and just, you know, give them all oh, you're you're such an eight hole or whatever, then I feel like an eight feels misunderstood. So why bother? Yeah. And, and the other piece of it is eights, it's hard for me to feel if there's not an intensity level there. Um, so I was telling Ariella these past two weeks since um, what happened in Israel, you know, as an eight, I'm charged. I'm juiced. I'm energized. Because I talk to a lot of people, I counsel a ton of people who shut down. They're not eights. They they go into, understandably, probably even a healthier place, but they, they go into this more contemplative space. Ariella is a four. She goes inwards and gets really dark and quiet. And I express, I go outwards. And so I really got to be careful because I can look for that juice, that energy, fires to fight. I'm a better firefighter than I am day-to-day mundane stuff. And so what can happen is if you don't get fiery and up in my face, up in my grill, I can't feel it. And so then I start weeding out people who don't want that, who can't stand that, who don't deserve that. And people start backing down. And then you find yourself in a kind of a lonely place. Right. Because people have backed away because they can't take it. And it doesn't mean I'm tough and strong. It just means I'm fiery and nobody wants to get burned. And so, you know, I've had to learn how to pull back, to hold back, you know, some of that intensity. Well, and for the people out there listening who are in relationship with an eight, if you can, if you have enough trust with them and you can say, let them know, hey, I want to hear what you're saying. I want to listen to you, but it's a little much for me right now. Can you tone it down? And you know, not every eight is aware enough to take that. But when they are, I like, I find that there's like an, oh, an aha. Oh, okay. Yeah. I want, I want to continue this. I can, they're capable of toning it down, but they're just not aware. And so for people who are listening, who are in relationship with an eight, don't get mad at them. Don't blame them. This is just how they are instead, but ask them and let them know like, Hey, can you calm it down a little bit so we can keep talking? Cause I want to hear what you have to say. This is why one of the things eights have to do when they're in fight or flight, and it's usually fight, rarely is a flight, is to take flight, is to go on a walk, get move. You know, eights, as you know, are gut. Mm-hmm. We're reaction, we're gut types, we're instinct types. And what we do is, you know, nines go away from their instincts. Ones don't trust their instincts and eights over rely on their instincts. So I got to stop taking action. I got to get back into my body. It's almost like an out-of-body experience as an eight where I'm just energy unbridled and I, I got to get back into my body and I can't do that unless I move. Usually for me, it's movement. Yeah. And, well, and since you brought that up, you know, mindfulness and is all about re-embodying, like paying attention to this energy and the energy and eight, most of them describe it like you just did. There's this like intense energy coming out and it's going to go into action. That's what it does. Unless you can find some kind of pause. And this is where the mindful pause and that can be movement. It's a pause from the doing into a more something um, like yoga or a walk or some type of exercise, something where you're moving your body without taking action on whatever you're so intense about. And that helps the thinking center come on board so that you can figure out what's more logical here and access your heart. And that's why it's not helpful for me as an eight to think about uh, meditation in that moment. Meditation for me is something I can do and I do it every morning, but I do it from a neutral space. I But in order to get into a neutral, sane place, I've got to discharge physical energy right? I've got to discharge it. And I, I've got to get it out because, you know, we eights, we just have too much of it. Mm-hmm. And so jogging for me has, and even walking has been a salvation. I never go wrong when I get into an argument with Ariella and I walk or I jog before we continue the conversation. I always go wrong when I continue the conversation without a pause, you know, space between stimulus and response. And then I'm just going to challenge you a little bit about the mindfulness because meditation isn't all just about finding a neutral space. A lot of specifically mindfulness is about bringing your attention into the body. And so not 
I think there's so much value for an eight to learn to feel that energy because you can't always go for a run. You can't always get out and know and be able to do something with it in that moment. And what they can do is just put their attention on that sensation. And my husband sometimes has argued with me. Well, when I put my attention there, Julie, it just gets bigger. And I'm like, yes, stay there. That's just you feeling that energy wanting to come out and do. And when you just stay there and with awareness of the sensation, it's going to move. Energy, emotion wants to move and it will. And so the ability to practice when you can, when you can't get out for a run and you're in a moment where you feel this energy to just watch it and you almost shift to this curious awareness, like, wow, look at that intensity. No wonder why I get myself in trouble. I mean, that's a lot of energy. And if I can just stay with it, with just this awareness of the energy that's there, it will subside. We're not disagreeing at all because I agree with you on mindfulness. Uh, when I say meditation, you know, that's why I do distinguish sometimes mindfulness meditation. Yeah. Because meditation, you know, is a stillness quieting process. Mindfulness is a paying attention. And so I can't quiet. I could potentially pay attention. Right. You can't quiet the thoughts, but you can pay attention to the sensation in your body that's a rising as a result of the thoughts for sure um or at least in, at least in theory i mean yeah, right in i theory. should be able to but um but i oftentimes it's do have to. yes it is a practice i just think that it's um it's very it's dangerous this is we are one of the dangerous types i have you know gotten myself into real precarious situations because of my anger intensity at times do things, say things that you can't take back. And so the discharge is, in my experience, very real when it's when you're in an extreme sort of, you know, in your car, you have that red zone, like you better back off the engine or it's going to blow here. Yeah, I'm very familiar with, I have to catch myself sometimes I can get sucked into it because Sometimes I feel like conversations with an eight are like playing ping pong. Like I'll say something and the ball comes right back and I say something, the ball gets hit right back and I'll fall for it for a while. And then I'll be like, wait, wait a second. <laughs> this isn't a conversation. This is a battle. What, how did I get sucked into this? So true. I find myself. And I find that the eight kind of likes it. There's like a grin on, on his face. Like, oh, this, well, I'm just having fun. <laughs> um, it is fun until it's all, you know, it's all fun and games until it's not. Until it's not. Exactly. And, and it can go south really quickly with an eight. It re, I mean, we are, because we're part of the reactive triad too, right? So there's a reactionary because sevens, for instance, can be intense, mm-hmm. right? And sevens, like even in my experience are even wittier and they're quicker on their feet. They like, you know, in the back and forth, especially sort of locker room banter. Mm-hmm. I have a couple sevens in my life who can really dish it out. Um, and, but it's not as reactive. It's not as heated. No, 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 it's not. I I'm smiling. Cause I have a, two of my best friends are a seven and an eight. And the two of them, when I'm with them as a threesome, they always have to like be conscious. Cause otherwise it's just like the two of them going at it. And I'm just in the background watching. Like, I don't, I don't have time. I'll, I'll think of something to say. And then uh, they've, they've already said something else. So true. So So part of it comes, I mean, there's lots of reasons for this. And and this podcast is as much for people who are, you know, in relationship with an eight as it is for the eights, because it's important to know, as we always talk about the why, the motivation, where does it come from? It's one of the hallmarks, I think, of the Enneagram, that it doesn't just describe what we do or how we do it. It describes why we do it. And one of the core drivers for a why is control, right? Eight, nine, and one, the challenger, the reformer, no, sorry, the uh, peacemaker and the reformer are the control triad. Like we all vie for control. Every human being does, but I think especially pronounced in that triad, but eights are obvious about it. Like we're just so bossy. That's why it's called the boss sometimes, but it's coming from a place of control. And what's control coming from? A fear, right? The fear that if I don't control this, it's going to go south. I'm going to be found out. I'm going to be exposed. We're going to get hurt, a vulnerability. 
it's even in as small an example as sometimes um my good Katie, who also works with us, says that if she feels like if she's at a dinner table, if she doesn't keep the conversation going, she has this belief that like we'll all be sitting there not talking. <laughs> like right. she had like there's yeah. that pressure that she better do that for everyone. And so, and that trickles into other areas of her life where she's like, well, if I don't, no one will. And it's this belief that I have to do everything or nobody will, which is a lot of pressure on an eight. Yeah, eight and two in my experience, um, and not coincidental, they're sort of almost counter up, uh, you know, holding each other in balance on the either side of each other, um, is um, a control of a, I would say God complex. But if I don't do it, nobody will. Right. Oh, yeah. Eight and two. Right. Yeah. There's this thing like if I don't do it. And so there's a lot of I, there's a lot of me. There's like nobody can do it. The truth is, is probably very few people can do it as well as the eights and the twos. And then we create the self-fulfilling prophecy because we overdo it. I do it so well and so fast. And that's the big difference between eight and two. I do it so fast. Nobody even has a chance to. I'll assign a task. And then I'll do it for them. And then like, I didn't even have a chance to do it. A nine hasn't even figured out when she can do it. (laughs) A nine is still considering whether or not she meant yes or no. And (laughs) eight's like, here you go. Uh, Exactly. But there's an arrogance to that. There's an ego, right? Uh, Wayne Dyer says ego, edging God out, ego. Um, So we're edge God out because we just are afraid that we're vulnerable, we're exposed. Mm-hmm. Right. And so this is where the beauty comes in. If you know that about the people who are eights in your life, you can maybe look at them a different way. Stop ju- stop your own reacting to eights behavior and instead try and connect with them. Try and find out, you know, is there something I can do to support you? Um, knowing that they're not going to ask for help. And I've gotten to the point where most of the time when I see an eight not behaving well or being a little intense, I'm able to see that it comes from a fear of vulnerability and it's not intending to hurt. So um, oftentimes whenever I'm dealing with a counterphobic six, um, there's two types of sixes, the loyalist, there's a phobic and a counterphobic counterphobic like it sounds means goes against their fears they look like eights and i've had multiple counterphobic sixes come to me they look like eights they got the same piss and vinegar mm-hmm. but the motivation is very different because for all sixes there's a f- underlying fear and anxiety and when you're with an eight you don't really get a fear or anxiety it is much more of that being exposed versus an anxiousness have you had that experience well and with the six i feel like it's more tactical like it's their intensity is on purpose in order to keep themselves safe or to get ahead of what could go wrong and with an eight they're just shoot they're just gunslingers i mean there is no intention around it they just immediately reacted to what happened like what do they say you know there's ready aim fire but the eight is just basically fire 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 you know right. and and i don't think that there's this intention around at all, actually, that it just is shooting from the head, not pausing, not being mindful. Um, Yellowstone. Have you watched Yellowstone? Yes. Yeah. We've talked about Um, Beth Dutton is like the, like an eight gone wrong. Like she's like everybody's worst nightmare eight for our listeners. And, but um, I think her husband, um, I just blanked on his name very short name, Rip. I think he's a counterphobic six because he doesn't have that same control. There's much more of an anxiousness under him. Right. It's just fire. Yeah, exactly. I I find a lot of counterphobic six thinks, think they're eight or have a hard time figuring out whether they're an eight or a six, whereas the eight pretty much knows. The other thing about an eight, I don't think most people realize I lived in Israel for a very long time, and um, I think they are counterphobic six, but it feels a lot like eights. So they're called the sabras if you're born in Israel, and a sabra is a cactus, and it's known to be prickly on the outside and soft on the inside, and it's a desert climate survival tactic. It's harsh, you know, what we've been going through. It's a harsh climate, um, literally and figuratively, and so- 
the, the cactus, you know, there's a sweetness on the inside, but you, you got to be careful trying to get to it. Well, yeah. And you were telling me that um, there aren't that many like famous eights who are like really good, like the healthy side of eight. I don't know. We have that many great role models um, for the healthy uh, side of eight. Can you think of any? Well, yeah. I mean, there, there are, but they're, you know, they're like I, um, big, bigger than life figures like Winston Churchill and Martin Luther King and yeah, but you were saying even them have like have oh, dark eyes. Yes. So I think it, our yeah. culture um I think we encourage eights to be more eight. I even find this with my husband. Like people kind of love when he stands up and he isn't very nice to the bad guy. Everyone loves when he does that. And I'm like, hey, stop hiring him for that. That's not his that's not his best side. It's and I think we kind of hire the eights in our lives to do the dirty work. And then we blame them for like, we blame them for being that way. It's so true. There are very few eights that are, have no controversy. You can go through almost every other type and find pure examples. You know, whenever I was um, doing funerals as a rabbi and people would say, oh, my loved one never said a bad word about anybody. Nobody ever said a bad word about them. I'm like, well, they weren't an eight. Like <laughs> uh, no, no rabbi or minister is going to say that at my funeral. Nobody ever said. Well, I think we got to change that B. You know, I think because I think when the eights access their vulnerability, they're like no one else. And I just think they're not encouraged to access it enough. I, my favorite um, like TV uh, view of this is in Ted Lasso, Roy Kent, who, you know, he was, you know, not the best guy all the time, but that scene where he um, does the press conference and in defense of the player who got in trouble, I, I remember thinking to myself, yeah, only Roy Kent could deliver that, that press conference because he could touch a place of vulnerability, having gone through that feeling himself, that no, no other character, even Ted, could, could do. And I just think that's an example of an eight in a place of vulnerability that we don't see enough it's so funny because when you say that i remember the other scene of that, that tv show since <laughs> yeah, this is, i know which one children, um where his girlfriend is satisfying herself and he thinks she's watching porn and he says what are you watching and he grabs the phone and it's that press conference and he was crying and yeah. it was turning her on that he was being vulnerable right which is yeah. hilarious I mean, I, I'll even say to my husband, like, tell me something vulnerable. Like, that's That makes me attracted to you. And he's like, ew, gross. So, I just relate to it so much. Ariella says the same thing. But I don't think our culture encourages eight to find that place enough. And when they do, I think they're in amazing change agents, like the best in the whole Enneagram. Well, this is a much larger conversation, which we will continue to have. But that is, you know, if you think about our police force, if you think about the military, these are eight yeah. institutions. Right. And we expect our young men and now women to go off to war and then to come back and to turn it off. Yeah. Right. Like, thank you or officers. Right. Thank you for going out into the danger streets, putting yourselves in harm's way for pennies and then somehow turning it off like it's a flip switch. And we need you to be that eight tough on that one extreme. But we then expect you to turn it off completely. And life you know, people aren't a flip of a switch and there are consequences, which is why um, there's such a high rate of suicide in both of those professions because they don't know how to flip the switch. And we sometimes we just ask too much of our eights or our eight institutions. Yeah, I think when eights start paying attention to how much energy is in their body to constantly be in that fight mode, it's it's literally killing them because it's not healthy for your body. But also, you know, I, I've heard that eights sometimes have sleeping problems. I know mine does, <laughs> you know, because they, when you have that intensity going all day long, it's hard to lie down at the end of the day and just shut it off. Yes. And yet this is the mixed message we give to eights in our society because, you know, we sometimes ask them not to shut it off. And that's why you look at um, some of the great eights like King and I think actually Mother Teresa, the more I've studied her, I think she's actually an eight. I'll leave her in the two just because I can't go back and change it. But <laughs> but more than that, it's like she just embodies giving. So I, I get why we say that. But I've read a few things about her and she was piss and vinegar. Like, don't get in her way. 
Like she'll step on you. And a two can do that too. So I don't know. Well, they have a line to each other. So maybe she was an eight in her two healthy space a lot or two. But, but you look at these people and like, we revere them for that. And then, you know, like they also did some damage that, you know, they weren't the nicest people to be around. Martin Luther King had his demons. If you look at, you know, the George Pattons and these other, thank God for them. And then we also turn around and say, yeah, but you know, they're imperfect. Of course they're imperfect. We're all imperfect. And that's part of the conversation, right? With Mm -hmm. There's a saying in the Talmud, the taller the person, the longer the shadow. Mm, yeah, right. Yeah. When you when you put yourself out there a lot, you're gonna you're gonna mess up. We all are, no matter what. And I do think some eights, that's a hard thing for them when they start to wake up and see their their intensity and see the damage they've caused. And they feel bad about that. Now, none of this is to excuse an eight. It's to explain an eight. We still have to take responsibility for our anger, for our intensity, and especially to anybody listening. And you, you can, you know, attest to this. Once you have this understanding of your eight, maybe it's your child, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your friend, you can come from a place of a little more compassion, knowing they're fighting probably most of the time for you, mm-hmm. not against you. Rarely do I meet eights that it's all about the eight. They have a natural ability to, as Frankel calls it, self-transcend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you have an eight in your life, you know, pause and think about it. They, There's a certain feeling of safety you have when you're around an eight because they will take care of you. Now, it doesn't mean they're actually effective like me the other night where it's like midnight and all of a sudden firecrackers are going off outside my son's window. But, you know, we're all engrossed in the Hamas stuff. So he comes running into our room crying, saying they're outside because all he's heard is terrible news reports. So it was just a bunch of high school kids. But anyways, it's like midnight. I'm in my boxer shorts. I'm out the front door with a baseball bat, running down the street, yelling swear words, right? Yeah. Middle-aged man, you know, like I'm not that tough, but I just had to, my eight just kicked in and I'm running, it's like running down Alameda street and my boxers chasing kids who are lighting firecrackers. I'm like, "Uh Oh, like Uh (laughs) stimulus and response. There's no space. (laughs) Right. Oh my gosh. You had a moment of, of reality. I had a moment of reality. I'm just lucky they didn't turn around and see who was chasing them, but (laughs) yeah. 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 I think, I think for an eight, it is hard when all that energy is going to pause. So, I mean, this is where I think mindfulness practice for an eight is actually a necessity. Some type of practice where you practice turning in so that you can feel that intensity as it's rising, because you're already out the door with the bat. If you don't get, if you don't find a way to calm down or get your head online first. And if there's any teachers, if there's anybody out there who's around or raising young eights, it is such an important thing, especially boys, not only, but especially because if my teacher would have known the Enneagram, maybe she wouldn't have just kept yelling at me to sit down face forward. She would have given me opportunities to discharge that energy, mm-hmm. right? Like my greatest teacher in elementary school, fifth grade teacher, Mrs. Pant, she put me in charge of the... Um, the crossing guard. And all of a sudden I like, I was like, you know, I had duty, I had service, I could perform and I became a better version of myself because some, maybe she knew the Enneagram and she said, Oh, here's a young eight, give him some power, give him some authority. And then he'll sit down because he's discharged some of that energy. And I love that story because the Enneagram isn't, isn't some like, thing that just has just been invented or some like science it's actually just human relation and it tells you what sometimes you can just figure out intuitively if you just when you see someone's behavior if you if you instead of saying what the hell or why are they acting that way if you're like oh maybe they maybe they're see the world a little differently than i do maybe there's a reason they act with that way how can i help them as opposed to there's something wrong with people yeah, it's like, you know, martial arts, Aikido or something. It's like you um, you redirect their energy as opposed to fighting them. Because every time, unless they were an aide, and every time a teacher or an authority figure would fight me, I would fight back. I would, you know, it's like trying to break a bronco as opposed to a new tactic, a new strategy. Put me in charge of the safety patrol and I become a better 
you know, citizen, a better classmate. Yes. Yes. So pausing and instead of judging that behavior, like how can we do this differently? It's like telling, you know, my wife who's a four, my son who's a four, stop feeling so deeply, right? Just it's like, right. that's ridiculous. If they could, they right. would, they can't. So, so they got, I got to get them into their body and movement and whatever, but you can't just yell at people. It's like, you know, yelling at somebody who doesn't speak your language and just yelling louder. I found um, that if an eight trusts someone, they can hear. So gaining, gaining trust with an eight, I think is really important. And then if you are trying to get them to behave a little differently or, trying to get them to be aware when they're in intense space, you have to come at them in a way that's not, like you said, if you fight them, you're just going to get fight back. That's, that's what they do. But if you come at them with this compassion, like, Hey, are you okay? Is everything okay? Well, what's going on here? Um, do you need, do you need a break? Or if they feel that you're being compassionate, I think it's almost like, you know how I said at the beginning of this podcast that I think the eights are the most obvious for me to tell because you can feel that intensity. I also think eights are, um, you can see the greatest shift when they become self-aware than any other number, because all of a sudden, instead of feeling this intensity, you can actually see their bodies relax and there's this softness and there's still that same, you know, leadership quality, but without the, the forward leaning intensity. And I think it's the most remarkable shift when they become aware, when they expand their space between stimulus and response, really, when they're able to pause there and soften. Absolutely. I feel, I feel seen. I feel understood. A <laughs> um, couple, couple last thoughts on eight. Um, a big one for eight is truth, right? And it doesn't mean we have a monopoly on it. Nobody else does. It's more of a um an honesty because what i can't i can i can handle ugly truth i don't like spin i don't like being manhandled like being or managed that's the word because i there's a lie in it and so an example of this is my kids mostly have learned that you better tell me the whole truth because lying is acts of commission saying things that are false but acts of omission and leaving things out and when there's acts of omission when they're leaving out the full truth i can feel it i feel like i'm being managed and i don't care what they've done like they could do something terrible get there get there quickly say it speak the truth tell me everything right now and we'll deal with this but I, it's almost like the oxygen is sucked out of our blood when we're dealing in the realm of being controlled or falsehood. Does that, does that resonate with you? Yeah. Yeah. I see definitely, definitely the, how it turns to a feeling of being controlled. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's exactly where it comes from B because I've heard that before that it's not as important for an eight to be in control. It's just important for them not to be controlled by others. Mm -hmm. If that yeah. makes sense. It does. Um, and so that you equated those, the dishonesty being in some way, if they're trying to be manipulated and it goes to that eight sense that everyone's out to get them a little bit or that they might get be, be betrayed. So they have to, that's why they have to keep this constant vigilance. And so it's almost like they have a radar looking for what's not true. You know, a, a macro example, I shared a micro example, a macro examples this past week as, um, you know, we're recording this, there was a devastating explosion in a hospital in Gaza and right away, all of the spin, all of the half-truths, all of the disinformation, all the lies came out. And as an eight, I'm telling you, that was the hardest thing for me during this whole time because I smelled it, I saw it, I witnessed it, and I could just feel the whole world buying into this lie of withholding information. And with, and then we find out later that it was um, Islamic Jihad and it came out of the Gaza Strip and it was just hard to explain, but it's like, it zapped me of my energy watching this thing unfold. And that was a good example of, I, I feel controlled or being, I'm, I'm being um, manipulated here. Yeah. Yeah. And if, if you need to stay vigilant of who might betray you, you got to watch for that. Right. If that's your story. 
And so interestingly, as you told that story, like you sit up, your chest comes out a little bit, your shoulders get tense. I can feel the energy, right? And so eights, I mean, mindfulness should be so easy for them. This, if, if you're thinking of mindfulness as awareness of body, because their body just viscerally re reacts as they talk, their hands move, they're so animated. And then when they feel their body is definitely reacting to how they feel. Totally. It's a good tell. Terrible poker players, I imagine. Oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> so any other final thoughts on the eight before we go into our meditation? Um, hmm. Thinking if I left anything good out, there's so much, so much good material there. Um, I mostly just wanted to make sure in this podcast that people who are listening we're open to looking at that eight's intensity a different way and to having conversations with the eight of like, how can I help you? Because I've heard that what helps an eight is if they have people they trust that can give them kind of a signal when they're too much. And, you know, they don't trust a lot of people. I think most eights have on like maybe two hands, the number of people they really trust. But if you can have a few, a, one of those people in your home or at work who you say, hey, listen, turns out I don't have much awareness when I'm a little intense. Can you just give me a little sign or can you let me know? Because I, I know from my own husband that if I just either, you know, make the heart sign or if it's in a public setting, just like put a hand on my leg or, or a hand on his leg or a, a, on his shoulder. It's like right away, he's like, oh yeah, you're right. I am. And he's so appreciative of that. And I think if eights, can have that relationship with people where they kind of ask for help they can learn to rein it in a little bit and they can also elicit help from the people they love yeah that's really great advice um the other thing that i'll put out there is i've had quite a few eights who they're not sure if they're eights because with the even the way we describe it sounds like a bigger than life person extrovert they're not necessarily extroverts i in fact i think i'd probably say they're more introverted than extroverted but we play, you know, our energy carries us outward. So even the most introverted eight is still able to get up in front of a group or, you know, use their voice or get out there. But it doesn't mean we're extroverted. And that's been a, um, a bit of a confusion point for some eights I know who are more self-preservation eights, um, but they, they're even more five-ish. A couple of them have thought maybe they're fives and not eights because of the way we're describing it. But, you know... I just say it again, eights have so much energy and probably the most energy on the Enneagram that we also have to go replenish. And most eights need to disappear in some way, shape or form to replenish. And I think that that's sort of the dance between extroversion, introversion for an eight. Oh, I really like that. I, I, I find that too, that there's this introverted quality, but maybe it is that needing to go to their five I call it, I call it my husband's five cave. You, yeah. need, you need to go to your five cave and, and find, you know, like let the intensity come down, find yourself again. That's it. So I guess now you'll give us some real life strategies as we go into a, a mindfulness meditation. Um, if you're just joining us, we've ended each of our podcasts with uh, about 10 minutes or so of a guided meditation by Julie around this energy. And as we go into it, just a reminder of our sort of working thesis between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space lies our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and our freedom. This is expand your space for Enneagram 8, the challenger. So we're going to do a meditation that I think is helpful for 8s. And specifically, like we talked about, it's really hard for eights to catch themselves in order to pause. I think they're great at pausing, but that intensity of when they're in a reactive space, like the story be told about running to get a bat, makes it very difficult. And so I think the more regular practice eights do with being in touch with their bodies and how the sensations in their bodies, the more likely they are to catch themselves so that they can pause, regroup, and then choose their response. And it tends to be a little softer so they can bring that softening on board. They can get a little smaller, access their heart space. And then when they come from that place of vulnerability, I like to use the word magnanimous. 
And so that's just a little encouragement to be curious in this meditation. And it's all about bringing more awareness into sensations in your body. So we're gonna start as we always do. If your legs are crossed, uncross them, place your feet flat on the floor and place your hands on your legs. And let's just take two deeper than normal breaths. Your eyes can either be lowered or closed. And really feel your shoulders softening back and down on the exhale. Let's bring our attention to the breath. And bring your awareness to your breath in your belly. So you're deep in the abdomen, feeling the expansion as you breathe in and the softening as you breathe out. And include with that maybe a feeling of your whole body on the exhale, just the softening and letting go. Expansion of the belly as you breathe in. A softening of the whole body as you breathe out. Now bring to mind a symbol of vulnerability for you. And for a lot of eights, this is a picture of themselves when they were younger, but it could be a picture of somebody else or an image, like a spiritual image, but anything that is a symbol of vulnerability or innocence for you. And try and see if you can actually get a 360 view of that image in your mind. Notice colors and textures of your image. And now bring some awareness into your body again, mostly the torso area and notice what sensations you feel from thinking about this image for a little bit. Bring a curious awareness to how your body feels because this is you with vulnerability on board. And now we're going to shift and I want you to bring to mind something or someone that makes you want to armor up or shield up something that maybe causes some anger, but that you feel like you need to protect yourself. You know, you might need to defend yourself or someone else. So just picture that situation or person in your mind, actually allow yourself to feel any emotions that arise as a result of thinking this situation. And then bring your attention back into your body and notice what's here now. So maybe you start to feel that eight energy of tingling of wanting to move into action. What are you noticing? And just like with a vulnerable feeling, get to know this sensation, get to know how your body reacts when you think of armoring up or defending. And now let's bring your image back to your vulnerability image or your image of innocence, the one you used earlier. Bring your attention to that image one more time. And maybe popcorn back and forth to how does my body feel when I'm thinking of this image, thinking about the image again, bringing your attention up to the image and then back down to your body 
creating some awareness of maybe the shift in energy from when you were visualizing the difficult situation or person. Now I invite you to let go of the image and bring your attention back to your abdomen where we started. So just following the rise of your belly as you breathe in and then a softening of the whole body as you breathe out. Even just this awareness of the sensation of your breath can create a shift in the body for an eight. Just a couple of breaths where you notice the sensation and notice a softening in your body. Get to know what that feels like. And we'll do one more breath. Letting go on the exhale. And then as you're ready, you can raise your eyes and soften your posture. And maybe just notice how you feel for a second before turning off the podcast and moving on to the next thing. I think there's so much incredible power in very short practice like this, especially for eights, because when they can bring that vulnerability on board, like I said, I, I do believe they're magnanimous. Amazing. Thank you. Truly, mouse, better than a jog. <laughs> I like that. I like that. That's going on her website. And if you want to find her website, you can go to mindfulmousemaus.com where you can learn more about Julie, or you can go over to my website to findspirit.org under the business page where Julie, myself, and our friend Katie work together to bring the Enneagram and mindfulness practice into the corporate world, business, organizational settings. So we would love to hear from you. Um, thank you as always, my friend. And eight down, one to go. The last but not the least, Enneagram 9, next podcast. Thanks, B. Thanks so much, Joy. Thank you for listening to the Defiant Spirit Podcast with me, your host, Dr. Baruch Halevi. If you like what you heard, please consider leaving a five-star review and share this podcast with others. To learn more about the Defiant Spirit, get more inspirational content, or see how we might work together to live your Defiant Spirit, visit defiantspirit.org. Until then, take back your power and live your Defiant Spirit.